Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. I'm Michael Anderson, and today we have Lee Gibson, a local lawyer, here on the program. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. The beginning of the year is always a good time to review your policies. Call 805-487-7847. GEICO Local Office. Michael Anderson is the CEO and Chief Investment Officer at Maranatha Financial. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of Maranatha's investments on this program. All opinions expressed by participants on this program are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Maranatha Financial or its affiliates. For more information, visit Maranatha.com. It's time for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson, bringing you a feature interview, a local nonprofit spotlight, and some financial wisdom. Get local and relevant information for the 805. For show notes and more information, go to maranatha.com. And now, here's your host, Michael Anderson. Welcome to the program. We have a special program today talking about the repercussions of the Thomas Fire. And we would like to remind you, this show will go onto our podcast directly after it airs, and it will go online on my website, marinantha.com. You can find all of the previous Big Money in the 805 episodes on the podcast or online at marinantha.com. And now it's time for our feature interview. We have Kelton Lee Gibson, attorney at law, practicing here in Ventura County since 1976 in the studio. He's the managing partner of Myers Witters Gibson Jones and Feingold here in Ventura. And this is a firm, one of the largest firms in the Tri-County area. And they have a history of providing business and individuals with quality legal services, giving back to the community as well. And they're part of the California Fire Lawyers as well, the consortium. Lee's lived here in Ojai for the past 22 years. Lee, thank you for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Mike. So this fire has been such a big deal for us all. I think it will have a long tail as we continue to deal with what it means to all of us. And your firm has been very involved in this. We have some events coming up. But let's first start by talking about how it's impacted you personally and your firm. What can you share with us about the fire? Well, a number of our attorneys have been affected and our staff members. Personally, uh, my wife and I evacuated our home for five days. First two days in Santa Barbara, but then the smoke was actually chasing us up there until we ended up in Woodland Hills. But our firm has been even more substantially affected than me personally. Uh, we didn't suffer any damage other than some smoke and some soot. But two individuals with our firm lost their homes completely within the first four hours of the fire. Uh, one of my partners and or actually, yeah, one of my partners and one of the other lawyers with our firm both lost their homes completely. One of their parents, four doors down the street, also lost their home, too. Two other lawyers with the firm had to move out and are just now getting back in with all the homes around them being substantially taken down or taken down completely by the fire. So it's had a big effect on us and on the community and on our friends and colleagues. We all know so many people that have been impacted in such a big way. And I know now it's coming out. You guys have the events that you're doing to educate people and inform them about how they can kind of work through this. But I want to talk about first, let's just talk about the insurance. From the insurance side, is it enough? Like, do people have enough insurance? And what are your perspectives? What insight can you share? You know, not everybody is insured, first of all. But even if you have insurance on your home, and most people do, 
we find that 99% of those are without sufficient insurance coverage in order to take care of everything that has been damaged and taken care of. There are a lot of things that are just not covered by the insurance. They'll only pay partial on other things, but those would include your landscaping at your home. If you're having to rebuild your house, you're going to have substantial landscaping costs. You may only have $5,000 or $20,000 worth of landscaping insurance. Erosion damage that is caused is not going to be insured to a large degree. If you're on the hillside, and a lot of these people are, you may have a other conditions that need to be engineered in order to support your home, and they're going to have issues with that. And those are some of the areas that are underinsured. Another big area for underinsurance is on personal contents. You may have a collection of art. You may have a collection of coins. You may have jewelry and things like that. But in all likelihood, you haven't taken out an extra rider on those in order to provide coverage for that. And so you're going to be without sufficient coverage on that. And with some of those, like, for example, there was an article that talked about the state insurance commission and requesting that the insurance companies provide the holders, the policyholders, with the personal effects cap. So in some cases that may have been too low, but just as far as a process, are insurance companies giving them the cap on that insurance or or you have to itemize every item to try and get paid back? It's a case-by-case situation, Mike. Some are just going out and looking at the amount of damage and they're just writing a check for the amount of personal contents that are insured by it. Others may require you to, to itemize it and, and to prove it. I heard of one company that is basically giving 75% of that and if you want more, you can apply. But if you apply, they will then come in and audit it. And if it turns out you had less than that amount of the damage, they'll request a refund. It's just going to be a carrier-by-carrier situation. The commissioner of insurance has, as you mentioned, requested that the carriers pay out the policy limits on that coverage. It's up to them whether or not they do that. It's nothing that I, I don't think can be binding on them or that the insurance commissioner can require them to do. Let's talk about this. Uh, There's been a number of different types of damages by individuals or by businesses. Can you talk about the different types of damages sustained here? Of course, there's always property damage. You have your home that has been damaged and needs to be rebuilt. You have uh, personal contents and personal property in there, where your furniture, your clothing. Two individuals with my office whose homes were destroyed had 15 minutes to get out, and so they took very, very little with them. They were unable to do that. When my wife and I evacuated, we had two hours, and we couldn't even decide what to take, so most of our stuff we just left. Luckily, we didn't have uh, that situation. But there's landscaping damage, erosion damage. You have evacuation expenses and alternative living expenses. That's a big one because some of these homes are going to take three years or more to rebuild. There just aren't enough contractors around getting the permits. I think the city will, and the county will probably expedite the permit process for these individuals, but it's still going to take a long time. And then they've got to find a contractor and a builder to do it because there aren't a whole lot of them around. If you have a thousand homes that have been destroyed in Ventura and Ventura County, It's got a heck of a lot of contractors building custom homes, so you're going to have trouble there. You're going to have loss of income if you have a business. Our business lost a week worth of earnings that we have. Luckily enough, we have insurance that's going to pick up some of that for us, but some individuals are not going to have insurance for that. I heard about a small retailer downtown Ventura who had his entire inventory that he was going to be selling out burned. Well, even if you had insurance for that, the insurance isn't just going to cover the costs of the inventory itself. It's not going to take care of the profits that he lost for that, that he was going to earn over the Christmas season and his big time of the year. So that person's going to be substantially affected. You have individuals who have, in agriculture, a lot of avocado damage, I'm told. 
A lot of other damage to other crops. The avocados are not going to be back three, four years they're going to be able to harvest them. So those, those people who are in that industry are going to be substantially affected. You also have emotional distress damage. Now, in most type of property damage claims, there's no claim for emotional distress. But in fire claims, there is. Individuals who have suffered emotional distress can recover from mental anguish, fear of others, and things like that. The people who I've talked to have just incredible stories who they've offered us about the problems and the situations they had. People watching the fire burn their house Mm -hmm. with inadequate water supply in order to put it out. Those individuals are going to have substantial emotional distress claims if they can, in connection with that, and if they're properly handled. When we look at the fire and what it's done, and we draw it back to where it started, how it started, we're starting to now look at it and say, well, this this is going to be a class action lawsuit of some size or of, of some account. So Can you speak to that? Is is that where this is going? Yes and no. It is going to be a number of individuals going after the one real target in it. But in our opinion, the mechanism that is commonly called a class action is not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And a number of the other individual lawyers I've seen are, are talking about class actions. We don't believe it's appropriate because a class action, you have to have substantially similar damages and everybody's damages are different. What the California fire lawyers are proposing to do, and we believe that as of the time the show airs, the first a number of lawsuits on our behalf will have been filed, is to bring individual actions and consolidate them together in one uh, central court that will then designate and, and handle the complex litigation. When you do it that way, are there other defendants that are going to be on this as well, or is it mainly Edison? It's, at this point, the experts tell us that the main culprit, if you will, is Southern California Edison that the uh, damages were caused, two fires in the Santa Paula area that then came together into one. There may be some subcontractors who worked for Edison who didn't adequately keep up those areas, but we just don't know that yet. Mm -hmm. At this point, the primary target is Southern California Edison. If I'm someone that lost my home, I didn't, but if someone listening, they lost their home or if they sustained a lot of damage, are they going to need to be a part of this? Should they come meet with you to be connected with this or will they be able to receive relief without coming and connecting? I highly doubt that without having an attorney representing them that they're going to be able to get any kind of a substantial recovery over and above their insurance. Bear in mind, like that we believe the insurance companies are, are taking good steps and are going to help their, their I've people. I've heard very and, positive and, response and, from and a lot of people. we are not looking at insurance companies. Right. We are looking at helping people recover damages over and above their insurance mm-hmm. that they are entitled to in connection with this. But in order to get anything substantial, in my opinion, they're going to have to uh, retain counsel. What about the people that don't have insurance? I know there's a number of people that have had their home paid off. They're elderly. They're looking at costs and they didn't have insurance or not nearly adequate insurance. I heard a stat. I can't substantiate but I heard that it could be as high as 30% of the folks that live in Ventura that didn't have insurance on their home. What about the folks that are in that scenario? I think we're in a position to help them out because whether or not they have insurance doesn't affect the responsibility of uh, the party who's going to be end up paying the, the damages. Insurance companies are going to go after them, too, for what's called subrogation. But if you didn't have insurance on your home, you're still entitled to recover for all those various things that we talked about, and even more so because of the property damage that you're going to have in rebuilding your home. How about a renter? What about a renter's scenario? Renters have claims, too. 
Renters definitely have claims for uh, property that was damaged, for emotional distress, for smoke damage that might have taken place, and they're entitled to compensation for, for damages too. Relocation expenses, they may have issues with their landlords. Most landlords, I think, are going to be pretty good, but there are going to be some unscrupulous ones who are going to try to not cooperate. Now, some people listening will say, you know, here's a law firm, one of the bigger law firms in the county, and they're trying to make money from this. And, and of course, you're doing your job. But how are the attorneys paid? Well, first of all, we make our living doing these cases. And so that's that's how I make my living. But at the same time, I'm not just interested in that. I'm, I'm interested to help people. These individuals here in our particular community uh, have been substantially affected by it. And I want to help them out. The attorneys who we are working with don't get paid anything unless we recover for the, for the individuals. We don't take any fees or any money whatsoever from your insurance company. So if your insurance company is going to pay you anything, that's great. We encourage that. But anything over and above that that's not covered or that you're entitled to otherwise that we can collect on your behalf, we would be entitled to a percentage to it. Plus, in addition to that, there is, in this type of a case, attorney's fees that are recovered, that are recovered from the party who gets sued. And so we wouldn't get paid anything, not even the costs of filing the lawsuit or any of the expert investigations, any of the consultants, any of the appraisers, any of the people who are working on the insurance claims and giving the advice. We don't get anything. All we get is a percentage of the ultra, ultimate recovery. So if someone's going to come see you, they're not going to be writing you a check to have you go through this process for them. That's correct. There's okay. no money out of pocket for the individuals in connection with having um, uh, our firm, along with uh, California Fire, lawyers represent them. Talk to me about this. With SoCal Edison and the electricity bills, will we see the bills go up at some point? How do they account for that? And where are our electricity bills going to go? Well, in order to raise the rates, um, Edison has to go to the Public Utilities Commission, and we've helped individuals defeat those types of claims in the past. So I kind of doubt that the legislature is going to give Edison carte blanche if, in, if they're in fact held, held liable, and they have assets that are available in order to compensate people for the damages that they've lost. Now, for people listening, there are a few events and a few seminars that are coming up. They're going to be here in Ventura, Carpinteria, and Ojai. Lee, can you share with us when those are going to be? Yes, we have um, events set in those three locations. On Thursday, January 11th and January 18th, we're having a meeting at the uh, in Ojai at the Ojai Valley Women's Club on Ojai Avenue in order to meet with people and to talk to them and go over all the various rights and remedies that they have, answer their questions. It's an informational meeting. It's not a hard sell in any event. We had one last Friday in Ventura. We were only able to give very, very short notice. We had over 100 people who attended and heard speakers. Jerry Singleton was the primary one out of uh, the Singleton Law Firm, who we've associated with. And in Ventura, we're going to have two more. That's going to be on January 12th and January 19th at the uh, Museum of Ventura County at 6 p.m. Both the Ojai and the Ventura meetings are going to be at 6 p.m. We also have two set in Carpinteria. That community has been substantially affected too. That's on January 13th and January 20th at 1 p.m. at the Alcazar Theater, the movie theater there in Carpinteria. They've provided that us for us as a facility. And these are going to be informational meetings, answering questions, giving a brief presentation, and then breaking down hopefully into smaller groups where we can talk to people individually and hopefully help them out with their questions that they have and to assist them. And we'll put this information on the show notes. You can get that online or on the podcast. Our guest today is Lee Gibson, the managing partner of Myers, Witters, Gibson, Jones, and Feingold. 
headquartered here in Ventura. And you can learn more about them online. Their website is mwgjlaw.com. Lee, thank you for being on the program. Thank you for having me, Mike. Now it's time for the Nonprofit Spotlight with your host, Michael Anderson, on Big Money in the 805. Nonprofit Spotlight. Here's a local group we want you to know about, Nonprofit Spotlight. Today's Spotlight is brought to you by Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. We have Brian McQueenie, the CEO of Ride On Therapeutic Horsemanship. Their website is rideon.org. Brian, thank you for being on the program today. Thank you so much for having me. So Ride On, I know you guys, you teach adaptive horseback riding to children and adults with physical and cognitive disabilities, founded in 1994, and you've given over 100,000 safe, effective, and individualized lessons and therapy treatments and currently, you're serving over 200 individuals each week. I think that's just amazing. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> right on is right now uh, 23 years old. We, gave, we just finished giving over 7,000 lessons last year from our two ranches, one in Chatsworth and one in Newbury Park. Wow, I think that's so awesome. Right on, fascinating nonprofit we have here in Ventura County. Give us some more details about what you guys are doing and how you're doing it. First of all, we have a, an amazing stable of 30 horses. We have 20-plus specially trained staff, and we benefit from the volunteer work of over 200 people every month here. And we always are looking for more volunteers. So we teach adaptive riding, which is actually learning to ride the horse. We provide counseling, free counseling, to veterans with a PTSD type of issues with equine-facilitated psychotherapy. And then, of course, we have a physical, occupational, and speech therapy program as well. Tell us about that. I know riding a horse can provide this physical and occupational speech therapy, but what are the details? How does that work? We know that, say, for example, children who start behind, if you're a parent of a child and they're not making those developmental milestones that we all look for so closely, if your children start behind, they stay behind. So there's a big effort to try to get these children the types of therapy that are going to get them up to level, get them up to speed with their peers. If you are a skier, for example, and say you break your knee, you're going to go to a physical therapist and they're going to give you some exercises to fix your knee so you can get to walk again. But if you're a child, how do you exercise a two-year-old child? It's very hard. And it turns out that one of the ways you can do them is you can sit them on a horse. Every time the horse takes a step, that moves the body. And it actually moves the body in a way that mimics taking a step. So you can actually exercise these very small children and then you can strengthen their body. You can strengthen their core strength, their head and neck strength. And if you get a child that has weak head and neck strength, for example, he or she won't be able to speak correctly. She won't be able to swallow. And all those developmental milestones that we look for will be missed. And right on the only therapy program in L.A. or Ventura County that provides this type of therapy. Where are you guys located? I know you mentioned two different facilities. What are the details on those, and where can people find more information? We're in uh, Newbury Park, uh, right off of Lynn Road and the 101 Freeway, and then we have another facility in Chatsworth in the San Fernando Valley. You can find more information at our website, rideon.org, R-I-D-E-O-N dot O-R-G. And Brian, you're also part of Cal Lutheran's volunteer leadership team. I know you keep close tabs on everything nonprofit, and in particularly, there's been some new tax law changes. How are those going to 
impact nonprofits. Unfortunately, I'm not very optimistic about that. If you think about, oh, if you go back over 70 years to Jerry Lewis and his March of Dimes and the telethons, the U.S. has long encouraged giving by creating tax incentives for individuals. And all of us, all of us taxpayers, have grown up with this system of making tax-deductible donations. And the entire nonprofit sector has grown up relying on them. Now, the new tax law is really changing this culture of philanthropy. We know the state local income tax limitation is now going to be $10,000. For a high-tax state like California, this is a major change. We also know that the standard deduction is increasing for married couples to 24000 This means that millions fewer people will itemize their tax deduction. Put those two things together and middle-income and upper-middle-income taxpayers, these changes increase the cost of giving and decrease the reward for doing so. And most nonprofits rely on these middle-income donors. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how it takes shape. You've given me pause for concern there, but I really appreciate your insight. So our nonprofit spotlight today is Ride On Therapeutic Horsemanship. And you can connect also with Brian McQueenie and learn more online. The website they have is rideon.org, R-I-D-E-O-N.org. Brian, thank you for being on the program today. Thank you. You guys have a happy new year. Get ready to take some notes. It's time for the two minute drill with Michael Anderson on big money in the eight Oh five. Two-Minute Drill. Grab a piece of paper and a pencil. It's time for today's Two-Minute Drill, brought to you by Spanish Hills Country Club. Taste the elegance. Golf, athletic, and social memberships. Visit SpanishHillsCC.com or call Cindy, 805-388-5000. Well, here we are. It's the top of the new year, and what a fine time to start looking at your financial situation. Oftentimes, people will ask me, what should I be looking for when finding a financial advisor or a firm? And I've come up with five items. So here are the five items people should be searching for when looking for a financial advisor. Number one, very simple. Find someone you're comfortable with. If you can talk with them and you have a very comfortable feeling about the way the conversation goes, that's a good sign. Number two, find someone that will be there when you need them. Investment advisor or financial planner oftentimes are a sounding board for a multitude of different questions you have. They should be accessible to assist you with the information when you need it. And various financial questions, as they come up, they should be able to be accessible for you. Number three, is the fee reasonable? Does it make sense relative to the service they provide? Are they earning their fee? Or is the fee reasonable relative to other advisors offering a similar service? And is the fee reasonable relative to doing it yourself? There are a number of concerns that come up when we talk about fees. And oftentimes people will miss the fact that a quarter of a percent or a half of a percent fee in financial services is a very big deal over time. Number four, do they have ideas for investment advice that is qualitative and quantitative? In other words, 
it's not just the data, it's also how you feel and how they feel about the market and where it's going and where you should be allocated with your investments. And finally, number five, it's okay to leave and work with another financial advisor. Most people have two to three different advisors they're working with. So if you're not happy with one of them, well, you can go try another. And if you want a second approach, you can find another to use with a portion of money. So it's always that easy. If you want some financial help with your investments or your financial priorities, I recommend finding a fee-only financial advisor. You can go to the website for the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. That's napfa.org, N-A-P-F-A.org. Or you can contact me directly. I'd be happy to talk with you. You can get more information on my website, which is marinantha.com, M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. You're tuned in to Big Money in the 805 with Michael Anderson. Now it's time for Michael to go to the mailbag and answer some questions from listeners. Mailbag, we answer your questions from listeners about money and financial matters. Brought to you by AllocationLink.com, investment management that is low cost, smart, and diversified. Learn more at AllocationLink.com. And the first question comes from Jesse in Newbury Park. Jesse asks, Can you give us a review of the sectors that performed best in 2017? Well, beginning of the year, it's always nice to look back at the previous year and see how things did from an investment standpoint. One of the interesting things was that every month in 2017 was an up month for the market. If we break it down individually, we look at it in the S&P 500, Well, that earned 19.4% for the year. That's a big return, not accounting for any fees, of course, but it wasn't the biggest. The S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that earned 25% for the year, also not the biggest. The NASDAQ earned 28%. The largest expense was the Emerging Markets Index. That earned 34% for the year in 2017. Internationals with the EFI, that index earned 21%. A very good year for the market in 2017, and it marks another good year. There's been many since 2009. That's the review for the markets. Thanks for that question. Now we have Sandra from Camarillo. It's the new year. What should we do with our investment accounts? The new year, it's always a good time to take a look at your statement and see if that's where you want your money to be allocated. Have that conversation with your advisor. It was good last year. Should we keep it here now or should we be changing things? Should we be reallocating things? You're always trying to think with your investments, where is the market going? It's nice that it had a good year last year, but are we expecting it to have equally a good year this year? Should we change things and be more aggressive or maybe be more conservative? Should we reallocate things to make that manifest itself in our portfolios? Always important when we're talking about the new year and reviewing our investments. If you have a question for the mailbag, you can submit it online at marinantha.com. Hi, this is Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. I've dedicated the past 12 years to researching different investment ideas. There are no guarantees when investing, but with a little help, you can find the right approach. I have built AllocationLink.com specifically for you. AllocationLink.com is investment management made simple, smart, and low cost. AllocationLink.com can have your account set up in less than 10 minutes. You don't need to have a million dollars. You don't need to have $100,000. You can get started with as little as $250 today. The secret to investing is regular contributions, 
and giving it time to grow. Please check out my website online. I think it will be a great resource for you. AllocationLink.com is investment management that is smart, low cost, and automatic. Please visit AllocationLink.com to learn more. Or you can leave me a message at 805-665-3767. Well, that does it for our show today. Be sure to stick around and listen to the new program, Inside the 805. That's coming right up. Thanks for tuning in today. You can check a show out on iTunes, Big Money in the 805. All previous shows also on Marinantha.com. Special thanks to Lee Gibson and also Brian McQueenie of RideOn.org. And if you have questions about the show, questions about financial matters, you can always contact me online at Marinantha.com, M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com, or leave me a message on my answering service, 805-665-3767. Have a great week. Join us again next time. Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities, retirement accounts, or have other money you want help with? Have you ever wondered what your advisor is making or how they get paid? Get a free second opinion. Talk with Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. Call his answering service today, 805-665-3767. Leave a message and get a call back immediately. 805-665-3767 or visit him online, maranatha.com, M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. Michael Anderson is local and fiduciary. No commissions, no gimmicks. Call and leave a message today. 805-665-3767.